You know what, Rory? You you shouldn't be afraid to share your voice with the world because there's a little guy, <laughs> there's a little friend in there that we all think the world needs to meet, and we love him a lot, and we think he should come out and and play and introduce himself. You know? Yeah, my little guy's name is Tone. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're not. I just want to be clear. We're not talking about your little friend. You're the one <laughs> down under. He needs to stay in his box and never come out. Sure. Now we're talking about the beautiful light that's within you that we just think you need to share and don't be afraid to to let it out. You talking about my panther? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm explicitly not talking about your panther. <laughs> Long ago in a distant land. Jack. Hey, everybody. Uh, uh, it's Austin. Uh, we're doing Saturday Morning Tuesdays. I'm Austin. I'm Rory. I'm Andy. Maybe you should get your shit together before you, you know, your, your enthusiasm is, is very welcome. But like, you know, you kind of fucked up our intro there. And I don't really know. You know what? I, I it's I don't okay. Know how I feel letting you letting you sort of rule our lives for the next couple weeks. if You can't just like figure this out. How about I, <laughs> I go back to the past and I start my intro all over again? You guys, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we are doing Samurai Jack, and it's a personal favorite of mine. And to all the times I've been razzed for not having shows yeah, that I three enjoyed, years into the show, he's put some skin in the game. <laughs> this is one. This is this is a deep treasure of mine, and I am really happy to show <laughs> it to you. Austin's gonna show us his deep treasure today. <laughs> Wow, oh, you guys, my. wow, this does hurt, doesn't it? <laughs> it does hurt when you lay yourself bare, really, just to kind of get needled by your friends. <laughs> um, uh, we get that damn. you just wanted to come on the show and jack it. You know, you just wanted to, to just, we're just, we're just going to be jacking it for the next three weeks with Samurai we are, Jack. We are That's jacking it right, with Samurai everybody. Jack. This week on Saturday morning, Tuesdays, everybody's jacking it. <laughs> everybody's jack, non-stop jack, 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 jacking it. Um... No, somebody look. call somebody call what's his butt. We we're jacking it backwards. <laughs> oh God, um, Jeff Styles. <laughs> Jeff Styles. Uh, look, a while ago we had Rory give us three weeks of King of the Hill, and then mm-hmm. more recently we had Andy give us three weeks of Hey Arnold, and now it's my turn. And so we're doing three weeks of Samurai Jack. We're doing uh, what seven episodes total? I think something like that. And we've got three for you today. Um, this was this was a show that came out in 2001. It won eight primetime Emmys and claimed my heart. The show I like won eight Emmys. I, the one it's I true. chose to bring in won eight Emmys. Hey, Andy, how many Emmys did Harold get? You know, Do you I don't remember? know off the top of my head, so it could be anywhere hmm. up to a million, you know? <laughs> Shit. Damn. Damn. <laughs> You got me there. Uh, I really did. No, I uh, I just, there was something about this show that wasn't like anything else. It was from Gendy Tartakovsky, who was famous for doing Dexter's Lab, which I was a huge fan of at the time on Cartoon Network. And mm-hmm. then this, this dropped when I was 11, and it was just the right time. It was kind of a turning point, I think, you know, the... The new, you know, the new millennium had happened, and we were ready for some fresh new tunes. 
<laughs> the and millennials have awakened. We've climbed the millennials out of our, were ready our for art. We were they were hungry for artistic content. Yeah, I like I like the transformative artworks. I like the idea that Y2K acted activated us like some sort of like nineties Manchurian candidates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and we were given a a real sort of uh, like Antifa like uh, role model young here with like this this just wonderful man who learns from like every culture shows no evidence of racism or freaked out being freaked out by like he like totally talks like a normal person to aliens in a new situation he's humble he's very exciting and he fucking hates fascism and he is just (laughs) on a tear he's ready to cut fascism in half with a sword and i think that's where we should all be uh where we should have been in 2001 and where we should be in 2020 yeah it's uh it's very it's very nice i i really you know, I watched this when I was a kid too, uh, but not not in any sort of like continuous way. Uh, it was it was one of those ones I would catch, and I wouldn't feel too bad about just randomly catching it because mostly it's episodic, right? Like you can kind of jump in in most episodes and feel like, oh, you know, we're doing we're doing the wandering samurai thing. So he shows up in a new adventure town and meets right. new, new characters every episode. So it's like I, I didn't feel like I was super behind or anything by just randomly showing up. Uh, and yeah. I always sat there with like full attention because it was just it's visually fascinating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is um, so different in terms of tone, in terms of presentation compared to anything that was coming out at the time for kids. It really was kind of the like the Mr. Rogers neighborhood of samurai cartoons. <laughs> um, you know, as you know exactly what that means mr rogers was a show he that really took its time it it was slow it was like every moment was intentional and every action kind of took its own time they really they really gave you a slow coffee drip of lore on mr rogers (laughs) neighborhood you know we didn't Uh, find out who killed his wife until like season 12 are we talking about king friday uh because i'll go there um But so, but so Samurai Jack was just like, you know, you didn't see that prequel movie they made where he was King Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're talking about just the Rogers prequel. You know, when Rogers comes knocking. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 Rogers of the Wind. Mm. Mm, Because now now Mr. Rogers is a samurai movie. (laughs) I'll fuck with that. Look, I would um, I would straight up love to see Yojimbo redone with Mr. Rogers as <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you guys sure are angry. <laughs> it was a beautiful day for Carnage. <laughs> Rory, did you watch any of Samurai Jack? Or is this your first I'm, time? I've literally seen it, but in no amount that is uh of meaningful mention. Sure. Well, I uh, I have I have uh, some some sort of context here in case in case anyone one is is sort of showing up to this genre and they don't really understand like where its bones come from. Uh, I find like as an adult having definitely experienced way more media than when I was twelve and watched this show right like or thirteen it was probably I like know 13. what you're saying is a truthful statement but it just sounded pretentious. It sounds like and, and I, it sounds like you just explained what time is. 
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but but no, I mean like like coming back at it with much more of a context to appreciate it in in sort of like a genre fiction kind of uh, uh, way, uh, and having seen a lot more samurai movies and westerns and all this other stuff, like it's really cool to kind of see all the commonalities between. Well, I mean, in in Japan they call it chambara for the the like the the samurai flicks, like all the. I mean, the Kurosawa ones are the ones we know in the West, like uh, like Seven Samurai and Yojimbo. But there's like a whole tradition over there of a bunch of stuff. And um, and this one, this one, like, I'm pretty sure is ex- like inspired from like indirectly through a Frank Miller comic called Ronin. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ronin was inspired by a manga, which is really dope if you want to check it out. An old it's like 70s manga called Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, which is like a super like, you know, ur- well, uh, we thought it would be thing. a fun idea to put a to put a little <laughs> cup and string next to the dungeon, but I'm already <laughs> regretting. No, no, I'm just I'm just saying it, you should check out Lone Wolf and Cub. It's also specifically what inspired the Mandalorian, uh, the sort of idea of like a, a wandering samurai traveling around with his kid and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, yeah. They already ripped there's... off one samurai movie for Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Boom. Well, Roasted. What is that? Uh, Hidden Fortress? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Hidden yeah, Fortress yeah, yeah. is the ripoff. Yeah. So, you know, it's there's a there's a huge tradition, but not really until Samurai Jack did I notice it coming into kids like media. Not really. Like it was all Westerns uh, in the sort of like. Space in the cinematic space, west westerns and samurai movies are the same genre. Like as oh, a yeah. genre, they're just the, they're just the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. We've got we've got different you know different iconography. It's a you know it's a sword instead of a pistol. But they even they even kind of do the same white hat black hat sort of thing. It's all it's all kind of totally this whole conversation that's happening. And it's especially cool when we start adding in Italy in the spaghetti westerns. <laughs> um, I love spaghetti. I do love the spaghetti. No, it's just, it's just a, it's a period of time where people weren't, I hate to sound like it's, I'm griping about this as a whole, because I'm not. Uh, It wasn't about cultural appropriation. It was a, it was a conversation that was like, I'm going to do your movie. Yep. With my stuff, with my, with my toys. (laughs) I'm going to redo it with the Legos that I've got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and they, totally. and the the crucial thing was that it was like it was done with permission and respect, and then yeah, also totally. like they and it was done back and good. forth. Yeah, yeah, back and forth. It was a whole conversation, and I loved I loved that, and I love going back and watching those movies. I don't know, just like na- now people get mad when we do an American Ghost in the Shell or whatever, right? And rightfully right. so. I'm not saying that is not without its pitfalls. It's just too bad we've left an era where we would do we would just do. A, yeah. an american ghost in the shell we just remake the american one mm-hmm. and that would be you know and nobody would nobody would be sad about that <laughs> yeah well it's interesting to to think about samurai jack because the style as a cartoon stylistically it doesn't look like anything else it doesn't look necessarily like exactly like a japanese art style no Nope. It doesn't necessarily look like a Western art style. It's just, it's this really interesting, unique thing. I think it looks a lot like what was going on in Cartoon Network at the time, except right. there's a constant uh, reverence to cinematography as a as an art. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, specifically, I mean, 
there's a there's a really a, a really cool thing that they do, which other shows have played with, and it you know it when when flash animation became kind of de rigueur, it sort of came it was kind of the norm for a while. Uh, but in two D animation, doing characters without black outlines around them was really tough and new, and. Yeah. And because they don't have outlines, so much more attention has to be put on what colors are in the background that are going to directly contrast to the characters in the foreground so that they actually pop and you can tell what's going on in the action that like it really adds a neat, purposeful angle and, and in some ways makes their their backgrounds a little more abstract. And uh, and and like, I don't know, it's it's a really neat effect. And I, I, don't, I love looking at it like when they do the zoom ins and it's like, yeah. It's just so surprising not to have outlines. We get so used to it, especially yeah. in Western animation. Well, so let's let's act like we're about to stab Aku with a magic sword and let's dive right in. Long ago in a distant land, I, Aku, the shape-shifting master of darkness, unleashed an unspeakable evil. But a foolish samurai warrior wielding a magic sword stepped forth to oppose me. Before the final blow was struck, I tore open a portal in time and flung him into the future, where my evil is law. Now the fool seeks to return to the past and undo the future that is Aku. You guys, you know what time it is. It's Samurai Jack, part one, the beginning, episode one, part one, the beginning. You guys, everybody, we watched Samurai Jack, part one, the beginning. If you want a synopsis, it goes a little bit like something like this. Aku, an evil shape-shifting demon, devastates a young prince's land, and his parents send him into exile. After years of intensive training, the prince receives a mystical sword and samurai's robes. Uh, and freezes people from Aku's minions. He then defeats Aku in battle, but before striking the final blow, the latter cat where that's uh, with a with T's not D's, uh, <laughs> the latter casts a spell to send him into the future. Watch <laughs> out! <laughs> that's that's how it goes. Yeah, it's all this she is a strong wrote. Opening. Yeah, I, the I mean, this is the probably the one that they showed. A lot considering like you know you kind of need to make sure kids who are going to tune in randomly at least get the idea of what's happening um and they yeah. they do a little bit of a version of it in the intro for every show you know aku describes how he does whatever he does in episode long one, ago but... in a distant land oh, i didn't really mean to just hit the go button on you there oh, Austin, sorry but sorry i'm ready to go in a moment's notice but... <laughs> okay go <laughs> no i'm no it's fine we've done it we played it already <laughs> they've heard it you could just now. just loop me it's in our intro. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a really fun it's a really fun way to get it going. I like the it's basically one giant montage. But as as is true for most of this show, I think they have very little spoken dialogue. Yeah, which really sets it apart from anything else that was on, especially Cartoon Network, which was super full of all this like quippy nonsense. Uh, to sort of have a show like this was really neat. Yeah, the intro, the first two minutes, full two minutes of this episode is just silent 
um, slow glacial. I mean, the whole show is pretty glacial, <laughs> um, but of just a, a tree, a nasty tree that <laughs> gets powered up by the sun and becomes Aku again. And so he was trapped in there and then he, he becomes free. And that's just two whole minutes of just kind of nothing happening. But it it pulls you in, you know? Nowadays, yeah. we might glance at our phone every 30 seconds or so during this show, but you're still, like, <laughs> interested. Yeah, you know, it, it, it does take, um, it takes a style, it's a, it is one that can allow your mind to wander and allow your attention to drift. It doesn't quite ask you to, uh, to be constantly present, but I think it does mm-hmm. reward it. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really, I don't know. I, again, it's it's that sort of like intensely uh, uh, purposeful artistic visual decision that uh, that just makes every frame really interesting to look at. There's always something cool to look at going on in the background, or if there's nothing going on in the background, it's because the foreground is fucking hype, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and like it's it's just really neat. Uh, as a corollary to Rory's like normal thing that he keeps doing. I don't remember if you've ever done this on air, but you keep talking about how The Wire is anime. The Wire uh, is the, absolutely anime. <laughs> if The Wire <laughs> is anime, Samurai Jack 100% is anime. Explain like, to me how it's anime, because I didn't see, for example, a deep roster of quirky captains. <laughs> um, I didn't happen to see... Okay, but look, there are many different types of anime, and if I, I would, I would definitely put this in more of the artistic side of it rather than the shitty shonen side of it. But it's like, it's uh, you know, it's more like a sh- like like Samurai Shampoo gives a similar energy from time to time with its fight scenes and music, and uh, it's you know the emphasis on the visual. Uh, the, right. the decision the decision to stay in a fight scene for a while and like intricately choreograph it. It has 13 uh, episode seasons. I might, I might push back on that. I found that this show is not incredibly visual. It's incredibly artistic and it's incredibly cinematic. But the fight scenes are fairly drab. True. Um, and and they don't really relish in it. Right. It's not like they're it's not it's not even like. You know, it's not even really that hype. It's just kind of a th- thing that starts happening, and it's really more about the cuts and the and the sort of graphic pairings that uh, or matches, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, than than the like choreography therein. What I will say is that I think this show, whether it's anime or not, I think what it pulls from is the Eastern sensibility of of time and of of atmosphere. And mm-hmm. taking taking the time to show shots that we would not normally do in Western animation or in Western cinematography. The the, the speed is is Eastern. The, that that sort of sensibility, I think. Yeah, I give you and that. I mean, even even we did we did used to kind of do some of that in Western cinema. You know, fifty, sixty, seventy years ago, like. We used to have a lot more slow plotting, purposeful. No, kind of... but that's that's not the same. It, they they were no, slow. I will agree with you. They were slow <laughs> in an unrefined way. They were not atmospheric. <laughs> they were dawdling. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I I caught uh I, I caught Soylent Green on TV the other day. That movie sucks. 
A, A of all. <laughs> That's an absolutely awful film, and Charlton Heston is not good. Uh, but also, it is the slowest, most boring sci-fi that is like somehow still in the popular culture as a meme that I can even think of. It's absurdly bad. Ugh. And the the, the the scene we all remember is like the very end, and it just awkwardly cuts to credits. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's try to talk about the plot here of this episode. No! So, okay. so we get, uh, the fathers, Jack's father is the emperor, uh, is Sabshimono, mm. is our, is our friend uh, uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures. One more thing. Uh, and he explains that when the evil shape-shifting wizard Aku arose from the bowels of hate to ravage our homeland, I was a young emperor at the time and was helpless against his powers. But I remembered our grandfather's grandfather's story of three monks who were gifted with mystical powers. I rode to the highest peak of the mountainside where the monks agreed to forge me an enchanted sword with great magic. Armed with a sword and the hope of my people, I plunged into battle against Aku. His evil was no match for the power of righteousness. And with the sword's magic, Aku's demon forces were implanted into the earth, forever petrifying him into the wasteland that he created. Always be alert, my son, for the presence of evil is sometimes right behind you. And sure enough, it's three seconds later, <laughs> I guess, that Aku yeah. has returned. Um, and young Jack, who is, well, he's not named. He's not currently Jack. He, he takes the name of Jack later. But we don't ever know what his true given name is. No. Um, but he, he looks, you know, six or seven or something in this. And um, as soon as Aku comes back, his parents sort of nod to each other and execute the plan. Uh, Order sixty six. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, Aku grabs the dad, and then um, his mom sort of whisks him off in the night to a boat, and he is now off immediately on his sort of growing up globe trot, forever, globe trotting son, adventure. You're a now, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I this sequence is hype as fuck, and I love I love this this whole sequence. And I I generally do too. It's it's very cool. His sort of like Eurasian African tour of like learning from combat masters is is fun. Uh, it, yeah, it's yeah. a little unbelievable, right? Like sure. I'm yeah, there's no sure. way all of these different cultures were happening. These eras of cultures <laughs> yeah. were happening concurrently, but you know, <laughs> that's from, never mind all that. Yeah, um, right. But because he does cool. also learn from Robin Hood. <laughs> that's like yeah, he also <laughs> he also learns from Robin Hood. I love it. Yeah, it's like what are what are the the, the sort of uh, the the white cultures that he learns from? It's uh, it's the Russians, England and Russia for sure. Rome, Rome and the Greeks, and then he goes to yeah, he goes to Robin Hood for oh, and then the Norse. He's on a Viking ship at one point. Yeah, yeah. He goes to Vikings. He goes to Russia to you know chuck axes at Matryoshka dolls. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know how they do. Yeah. That's... Chris Gendy Tartakovsky is super Russian, so yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sure he got some got some <laughs> Russians then, in there, and then he hits up Mongolia and China, and then back to Japan. Yeah. Although first, I guess we 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 skipped ahead. He goes to, I guess he goes first to Africa by way of these uh, Arabic spice traders. Yes, exactly. 
Uh, and I guess they they teach him the 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 Arabic people teach him how to ride a horse, and then he learns stick fighting from the uh, the tribesmen in, in whatever area of Africa they end up in, mm-hmm. and then they go, go to, to and then they go back up through Egypt. Yeah, yeah. I would um, have to assume it's the Zulu, but I guess it you never know. It could have been the Maasai. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, could have been. Know. And you know, it's always an interesting case of like how different cultures are depicted in cartoons. We never thought that we would when we started doing this podcast that we'd probably talk about racism so often but that's kind of what happens when cartoons depict people in stylized ways and so you're it's always going to be kind of an issue whether you you know kind of wanted to or not i would say this walks an interesting line and i think what's the way they do it is tasteful because it really each culture is kind of depicted in the art of that culture, of the like sh- in the sure. historical art, like the yeah. Greek stuff looks like ancient pottery, like Greek art. And, you know, totally. it's just kind of a cool way to do it. Yeah, it's one of those things, I think, right, where cartoon art already deals so much in caricature, but then yep. you're trying to be representative, but then now you're depicting a race as a caricature and it gets out of hand pretty quick. And a lot of people have tried and failed or didn't try and failed worse. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I mean one of my one of my favorite character designs is the uh, is the Russian guy with the axes because he's the just guy he's fun. got he's got so much his arms are so beefy and his chest is so wide and his waist is so thin and his mustache is a different color and I don't know he's got this weird bulbous nature that I really liked. Yeah. Um, so at the very end of his journey, um, his I think his last stop were the Shaolin monks and then he goes from there to a snowy cave and he finds some monks and his mom again, who's an old lady now. And it's, it's a touching little moment to, to I see felt her it. again. Yeah. I felt it. They have a good cry and she, uh, gives him the sword. Cause a big statue, a big like Buddha statue, re- you know, the arms part very dramatically and it reveals the sword and his kimono. But so he goes into, so he goes into Aku territory, um, where he has created these crystal mines where, people are sort of slaving away to to produce crystals um <laughs> and his dad is an old man there working and jack liberates him from these like shadowy demon guards and and then his dad is like we finally get dialogue here again uh at the you know what 15 minute mark or something we finally get dialogue again for the first time in like 9 minutes mm-hmm. and yeah and his dad gives the warning of like, hey. I thought once like you, but the sword is only a tool. What power has it compared to the hand that wields it? Evil is clever, and deception is its most powerful weapon. Let the sword guide you to your fate, but let your mind set free the path to your destiny. And then he, and then Jack's like off, like immediately, like, I will not disappoint you, father. <laughs> and he's ready and he's ready to fight Aku. He's ready to fight the final boss. He does that. He does that like eyebrow scrunch, you know, face burdened with purpose. Yeah. Sort of the zoom in on just his eyes and all the lines show up. <laughs> they, they they use it a bunch. It's really fun. Uh, yeah. It's worth it's worth noting that Japan now that uh, now that Aku has pretty much taken over is like a terrifying Aku theme park. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like a really fucked up Disneyland where instead of rides, it's, uh, well, it's slavery. Yeah. 
which isn't great, but it, not it, great. There, but enough of his iconography is like it's it's like an odd vibe because there's like these you know uh, I don't know not like minecart type tracks or whatever, but there's the, you know these paths that lead directly into big Aku mouths. And it feels it feels just like a fucking Pirates of the Caribbean scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I do love Aku as a character too. I mean, Mako, you know, Uncle Iroh, of course, but Mako just brings so much comedy to Aku. In mm-hmm. in moments, he just has this this great timing with Aku, where he just sort of drops the like imposing aspect and just kind of it's kind of silly and fun and flirty a little bit sometimes. And I I, I love the way he does that. Austin's waifu in this show is Aku, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> Boy, well, I wish. <laughs> so, so uh, the last bit here is just the fight. Um, is the actual fight between Jack and Aku. And Aku is a shapeshifter, shapeshifting master of darkness. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so he sort of, you know, keeps on shapeshifting. Uh, but you know, these, these fights, I think in season one, especially aren't really all that exciting for all this slow pace and all of the buildup, right? They really aren't that interesting, unfortunately. And you're just like, this should be cool. Like he's fighting finally. Why do I kind of not, not care? Yeah. And part of it, part, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of it is the choreo. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, right? Like Rory, Rory pointed out that the choreo is not exactly up to snuff, but I think part of what I had trouble with as a kid and what I still have a little bit of trouble with now, maybe it changes and gets better in later seasons, but he's fresh off working on Dexter's lab and he was a big part of Powerpuff Girls. And all I see when a lot of this animation is going on and like Aku shows up and there's like quack, 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 flash, whatever. I'm just seeing Powerpuff Girls because it's, it's mm. so similar to the style. And yeah. it takes me out. It takes me out of the serious place they want me to live in for a second. Because I'm thinking about Townsville and it's not it's not the same. It's clearly not what they want to do. But he did not buck his art style enough to make me forget it. See, I'm actually it doesn't take me out because of uh, why I'm reminded of Powerpuff Girls in the same sort of weakness they had in fighting where Mm -hmm. it's this sort of repetitive series of strikes that just kind of keeps happening and doesn't further doesn't further the plot like the the fight <laughs> happens and it just is a series of strikes for about two solid yeah. minutes and you're just like i mean you know has somebody then gotten hurt has, has something changed have the stakes changed has the like you know n- and none of that really it's just this kind of static right you know the the end of the fight things are the same at the beginning of the fight yeah, and I mean the important the important stuff happens immediately after he has vanquished or, or or seemingly vanquished Aku, because Aku is like you know he looks really tired. He's you know he, he he's basically just a giant sentient pillar most of the time. Just a big tall pole that just kind of has a face and a rotates big around. giant pole. <laughs> uh, but in this one, he sort of like got sucked into Jack's sword, and Jack like flung him out onto the ground, and he kind of looks more like a shadow at this point, like like a growing shadow, sort of moving along the floor, like he's mm, flat like Voldemort and sad. before he had physical form. <sighs> Get the fuck out of here! I didn't you're even a, like that one. You're, <laughs> and you're a slither. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm supposed to love Voldemort because we're all evil. And and so, mm. yeah, so he like, he like pierces him. Oh, Rory's, just, don't worry, Rory, we're done. 
but he uh, he has one last little bit of strength, and he uses it to per- perform what I feel like is an extremely overpowered bit of magic here in Desperation, which is a time portal. Like, this guy takes forever to sort of amass the forces to take over the world, but he can just do time portals on a whim? I yeah, I mean, but you might argue that in general, uh, just portaling one person at a time deeply into the future isn't a particularly effective... Like, if you can't do that against every person. <laughs> uh, but I guess he doesn't have to. I guess only Jack stood between him and uh, centuries of uh, crystal mining. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it could be that, you know, after after uh, uh, 10, 10 plus years of being powered up by the crystals he was mining, uh, that he had enough power to complete this this spell. And, and perhaps, you know, might not again uh, for some time. So, uh, you know. That that could make sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, God, okay. I really so, just really I really hate you. <laughs> this is really bad, and I regret friendship. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe things will change when we talk about episode two. Hey, Rory. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Rory, my God. lad, uh, can you Rory's please? deflating. <laughs> you gotta keep keep your air in there, buddy. We got a we got an exciting new sponsor. Uh, I think that both Rory and I are really excited to talk about. Um, hmm. Rory, can you tell us about our new sponsor? We're selling Andy's Sonic comics as punishment. <laughs> I would love to, everybody. That um, we're selling uh, Andy's Sonic comics as punishment because he uh, has uh, been. You know, told about the strike system repeatedly. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I I don't. What the? What? Do you have something to say? Feel free to uh, chime in, bud. You're, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a podcast. I'm kind of playing. I'm kind of playing catch up. I oh yeah. We you, just sorry. We just threw away another Sonic comic. Uh, oh my god. You talk over Rory. We'll, we'll which one? Dunk another oh. one in the in the shredder. That's a '92. <laughs> uh, so if anybody wants them, I mean, we're basically just using them for i want them andy (laughs) actions have consequences but not my sonic not the one where tails gets finally gets his you know gets to do what what, (laughs) this is his virginity (laughs) (laughs) no not the tails virginity miniseries the virginity series (laughs) (laughs) sorry bud it's a real it's a real shame because i kind of don't even think they're that bad but you know, a deal's a deal. You fucked yeah. up, and you know, now we're selling all of Andy's Sonic comics. Yeah, and we're we're gonna sell them to just people who aren't really interested. Even we're not trying to rehome <laughs> them to a good place. You know. Well, I've just I've just sat I've just posted up next to a, a firewood lot and are you know undercutting them significantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. selling yeah. them cheaper uh, than firewood. <laughs> Hello, I would like to purchase some of these fine oh. Sonic comics. <laughs> I'm a local man with no interest in Justin. Sonic, and I'd like to take a nerd's comic books. Five dollars <laughs> will give me how much? What's, what's this, you guys? It seems like a thespian has come into my firewood lot. <laughs> just a just a well-spoken, highly trained actor wants <laughs> my Sonic, Sonic comics. What are the chances, everybody? <laughs> oh, that one looks good. Perhaps exactly the issues 47 to 50, the endgame miniseries would be great. They're 
could be collectible. All right, mm. the jig is up, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know what. Don't take my hat. Fuck. fuck. Well, I look like a real idiot right now, don't you I? You blew it, sir. Yeah, you've got more blue in your face than Sonic. <laughs> now, got now you now you gotta go fast. Don't fucking talk about something you don't understand. Now okay. you gotta go fast. You've gotta go fast. Got it. You've gotta just go fast. <laughs> Okay, we are back. It's time for Samurai Jack Episode 2, which is called Part 2, The Samurai Called Jack, which is the name of Episode 2 of Samurai Jack. And we have a wonderful little synopsis of this one. And then a little ways later into the into the section, we're going to have to synopsize Part 3 as well, because we're going to talk about these as one group. So it here's Part 2. It is Part 3 is kind of a, a big fight scene at the end of Episode 2. Yeah. It, yeah. Th- this whole thing is a three-part episode, which is why we did three to begin with damn right so the samurai is plunged into a dystopian world ruled by aku adopting the name jack after getting in a fight at a nightclub he is hired by a group of canine miners to protect them from aku's forces Ooh, i like that nice well austin we finally get the intro the intro to the show here and so it's finally maybe appropriate for you to do your thing well now you know i mean Long ago in a distant <laughs> land, I, Aku, shape-shifting master of darkness, uh, is, you know, whatever. Um, it's yeah. fine. I, you know, uh, it's a good theme. Um, actually, I think Will I Am worked on it. Yes. From the BEP. Yeah, he's the vocalist, I think. I don't know. I don't know if he made the track or not, but he's definitely the. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah. Um. So this one is where we actually get to see the show kind of be the show where yeah. Jack is now in the future and dealing with, you know, getting the the standard setup of being approached by some weirdo and then doing kind of whatever they want them to do for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a formula that. As we've said before, many, many shows have done, uh, but not as much in animation. I feel like animation tends to go more towards sitcom. uh, And, you know, and it's also a lot of work to make new settings and new character designs every fucking episode, Uh, which is what makes this. It's another reason that this show is kind of cool is that, uh, you know, that's a lot of effort. You know, it's probably why they only did 13 episode seasons, because they just don't, you know, that's that's way more work than you normally have to do. You know, recess, you just kind of design everybody and you're done and you've got half the backgrounds done for every episode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this um, one, you need a lot. So it's interesting because, so Jack finds himself in this wild city um, surrounded by 
you know, flying cars and he does a little action sequence. Sinnoh, it's some, just like, some it's robot just like Obi-Wan, just like Obi-Wan in that, uh-huh. in that Star Wars prequel, falling yeah. past the flying cars. And uh, uh, what I love, though, is when he gets confronted by these sort of street youths who are <laughs> flabbergasted by Jack and they call him Jack. And And what I rarely see is really good future slang. Made up future slang, and, and you think I love, you think we saw it today? I love this entire conversation. Yes, <laughs> it's um, it sort of borders on jive talk, but it's 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 fine. But it's, it's like a, it's fun. It's and it's it, fine. It, it, it it has a good flow to it that doesn't feel like uh, a bunch of dorks like trying to be like in a hip hop rippity rap. What are the what are the cool <laughs> kids going to talk about? I mean, it felt like a lot of it was. You know, it had this sort of fun flow to it, and it, it made it, it its own sort of internal sense. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. Um, you know that that you could kind of decode it, and it wasn't just gibberish. And I mean, the fact that they talked, and I want to clip drop it, obviously, but uh, that they threw in some snack mixing <laughs> as a like <laughs> hip hop and rip rap and snack mixing, like. Uh, <laughs> Yo, Jack, that was some awesome show. I never peered upon moves like that, Jack. What? Jack was all ricocheted jump a delic. Oh, uh, here's Zach, yeah, prodigiously acrobatastic. <laughs> word, word. But then, like, when Jack pulled a swizz on, it was all like, swing, squack, swoof, man, right through the car. Swick attack, whack, and spawn out the back, Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was all, shoo, man. Eat that flunky crunk up. Yo, then my man just, like, lands all coolish style, like, no sweating, chum. But, 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 but then that gutter roll Come out on Rama Lama Lama and the trash is all munching and crunching and snack mixing. Oh, the fat super kaja fragile statistic tie, yo. Thank you. Yeah, it kind of leads into the part that when I, when I said it kind of borders on jive talk, it's because there's a point where they basically call him a cracker. <laughs> like this cracker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at one point yeah. they say instead of sword they say swizzord, which a little bit dates it in terms of you know, sure. Uh, clearly, clearly they they're riffing off two thousand and one slang with, uh-huh. with the you know with the sort of Snoop Dogg era, uh, yeah. and that's not really relevant so much anymore. You know, so when you you know when your when your future slang is too influenced by modern slang, you still somehow date yourself even though it's made up. Yeah, um, and and it is. I mean, it is nice though to still have Phil Lamar. Like it's yeah. Phil Lamar as Jack, and Phil Lamar is one of those characters too. And right, he, he's great. He's great. I I do love Phil, and I actually at one point one of the it, you almost can't hear it, but there is a line that one of them says in sort of a group chatter moment where they say, uh, "You to sniznit, Jack," which is like one letter away from "You to shiznit, Jack." Yeah, they get they get a like, little you're close. The shit. Yeah, they get they they play around with some some like off swears, some yeah. copy rhyming swears. <laughs> yeah, and you know just because they call him Jack, that he's like, all right, I guess that's that's me now. That's my new persona. Um, yeah, and but the but the one the thing that kind of throws me for the whole series with this future world that he's put into is I wish it had a little more permanence to it or definition sure. to it because it's very surreal and very like liminal every episode it, there's no real continuity well, in he might this as well world. be quantum leaping 
Right. It's like, right. Uh, like it's a totally different world. It feels like every time he goes somewhere new, like now we're on the like monkey planet and you're like, yeah, well, okay. He's all on earth though. <laughs> he stays on earth the whole time, but there's right. just no, like you couldn't put this world on a map. And I really wish that's one aspect. I really wish they could have done is just feeling like just name the big city, right? Just have mm-hmm. the big city be a place. Well, it's cl- I mean, it's clearly Townsville. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> yeah, they do. It's 100% Townsville because later in this episode when they when the dogs take him to their dig site, there is a billboard for the the talking dog says and it's like a legit exact same billboard from one of the Powerpuff Girls episodes. Uh, yeah. and it's like I don't know. Are we to take from that that this is just super future Townsville that's been fucked up? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a tiny Easter egg because there was also another Easter egg to a show that he worked on. Uh, Two Stupid Dogs. Two Stupid There's Dogs. One the, yeah. One of the dogs is very clearly the uh, the the bigger dog from Two Stupid Dogs. Um, yeah. But I don't know. So I can't tell if it's like Easter eggs or if he's literally trying to imply that this is the future of Townsville. But uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It would have been it would have been nice if we had more more definition rather than feeling like we were just sort of hopping from dream to dream. So otherwise, I mean, so not a lot happens. Not a lot happens, actually. I mean, we get way more dialogue. We get a real shift in tone in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. That's a little more like what the rest of the series is going to be um, with these wacky future characters. But there's a bar fight because Jack was kind of staring at a like a mantis lizard. <laughs> and I would cuts, too. he cuts off his arm and it's a robot arm. And, and this, this will begin the sort of trend of like, mm, I don't think that guy was a robot, but okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the trick. It's the trick that shows on, you know, kids shows have been doing for years. It's just the, the, the latest in a long line of this robot tradition. Yeah. And you have a main character with a sword that cuts people in half every episode. And you can't mm-hmm. do that really, unless <laughs> you get creative. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, there's a sequence in the third episode that is just exactly. It's a hundred percent blood. He is cutting open these robot beetles and they're squirting blood all over him. And he gets covered in blood. I mean, oil from robots. Yes. (laughs) Yes, robot oil. (laughs) Yeah, they get to do their things. And they get to wink about it and be like, see, Mm -hmm. look. And, you know, (laughs) as a kid, I was all over that. I was like, oh, my God. He's like, there's like blood and he's cutting it and it's awesome. (laughs) There's like blood and he's cutting it. Oh, he's so (laughs) wet in blood. (laughs) (laughs) Look how soaking wet he is with blood. Fuck. Uh, so these dogs see him fighting in the bar and recruit him uh, to their needs because they're prospectors or miners and they're trying they're to archaeologists. Find... Yes. Okay. Right. And we're all very smart because we know the word, the specific word for the the kind of person that they are. <laughs> it's not a very specific <laughs> word. You know those guys who train and they find old artifacts? They're like miners or maybe prospectors? <laughs> but for goods, for stuff, for not gold. But who knows? No one knows what they're called. <laughs> no an one archeolo- saw Indiana An archaeologist <laughs> is just a prospector who hasn't found gold yet. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, well, what I will think about is that these dogs, these talking dogs, uh, are maybe a little too goofy for this show. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's a, maybe that's an important part of the of what they're going for. But it's uh, it's this like British dog, a Scottish dog, and an American dog, and they all have names like Dr- Sir Dreyfus Alexander and Sir Colin Bartholomew Montgomery Rothschild, and I don't know. I'm okay with it, but it just it, it it's a, it it's where the show got the goofiest in these first three, mm-hmm. and it kind of felt like a sore thumb. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's a tonal whiplash for sure that continues for a lot of the show, and some episodes dip more into the Looney Tunes stuff, and you're just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, I wish it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes yeah, they, it is fun to see Jack intera- interact with silly people. Yeah, you know, I think they determined that, and they realized that it is kind of a, a, a good cipher for uh, for Jack to face these very goofy things and have to speak in his very plain spoken way be like i do not understand why you are a tall silly dog (laughs) they're like fucking that's just who i am you better get with it get with the times jack we're all (laughs) tall silly dogs now (laughs) yeah they they kind of go on a on a weird like way too much exposition dump talking about their uh, their situation with Aku that doesn't end up being really relevant at all. No, like glacial oh, pace, glacial. Yeah, pace. Uh, I mean they could have just said we're being forced to mine crystals. Please save us. We don't want to mine crystals anymore. Right, and it could have been okay. Um, yeah, actually, because- the way this plays out in in the show is like, hey, come on over to our place. Okay, then he sits down and then he looks at each one of them silently. They all exchange glances and then they exchange names and then the, the, the American dogs like drools and then they wipe the drool off and he shakes the drool and the drool gets on them and then they complain <laughs> about the drool getting on them and then they get their drinks and then they sip uh-huh. their drinks and then the Rob Paulson dog says, Since the beginning of history, the immortal Aku has ruthlessly ruled the earth, plundering... And, and then starts this, then starts some long... <laughs> narration like that's how slow this this happens yeah it's yeah not great no it's not the easiest you know it's it's like you you can't argue that i followed it i had plenty of time to not worry about getting lost (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah i know it's not it's not ideal in terms of in terms of trying to pace your action show uh but i guess i guess the interesting thing that happens is that their waitress uh, overhears their whole conversation and secretly she's like a weird like informant for Aku uh, which probably isn't all that out of the ordinary considering Aku is the like, complete warlord of earth mm-hmm. yeah, uh, right. which is also probably why everybody speaks the same language mm. uh-huh. you know if Aku originated uh-huh. in Japan then then it probably Jack would speak the same language as everybody just saying well, I'm under the impression Jack has learned most languages. That That's was... also true. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I didn't even thought about that. Uh, but I also I also like the dystopian future where everyone has to learn Japanese because it's the global language. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she she takes the information to Aku and it's when he first re- like is informed that Jack is alive and he has maybe the most OP villain TV that we've ever seen in <laughs> any of our cartoons yeah. because he literally can just look at whatever he wants. He doesn't need a camera. He's magic. He has magic villain TV. Yeah, he brings it up and he sends a whole bunch of Beetleborgs uh, after Jack and the dogs to their dig site. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I do want to mention at the end of episode two, they do kind of show the threat that the dogs face uh, with a real wild bit of uh, grotesquerie is showing <laughs> silhouettes like of crucified. a series of crucified dogs <laughs> on these like Aku like steeples or whatever these like Aku posts. Um, and they're dogs that are, yeah, clearly just, yeah, crucified bodies on them. And that's not good. Don't want that to happen. It's not it. awesome. No. No. Aku is a nasty fella. <laughs> Uh, so now seems like a, a good time for me to, to summarize Samurai Jack 3, Part 3, The First Fight. Uh, armed with various weapons and traps, Jack single-handedly defeats Aku's Beetlebots. He subsequently vows to fight the demon's oppression until he can return to the past. That's it. That's the episode. Which is funny because the entire episode is that first sentence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but by the end of it, we do establish kind of the status quo of the show. It isn't the show as the show, but it establishes what that will be. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah, is yeah. the sort of and then from and then from what I've gathered from from what you guys have said, it seems like from this point on he's going to do exactly that, go around and fix people's Aku problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, generally he's trying to you know ev- evade Aku's attention so he can train or whatever, blah 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 blah. But um. But yeah, I mean, they have five seasons of him trying to kill Aku, so clearly there's a lot of pit stops along the way. Uh huh. Yeah, mostly pit stops. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Someone called so Penelope. The first like four or five minutes of this episode, I don't mind. I I, I think there's some fun stuff in the beginning of this episode. Um, well, it's their Seven Samurai episode, right? It's their it's their train the villagers to fight episode. A little bit. They they do a there's a different one also that they. They kind of do that, too. Oh, they do the trope twice? Great. A couple times. I think, (laughs) you know, I think Clone Wars did it twice, too. So, you know. Mandalorian did it. Everyone loves it. I've I've done a similar thing in a role play group before. It's an easy role play situation. Yeah. It's, uh... Is this a seven-person sex scenario? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Though that sounds great. We're all the samurai. And now we do it. And I'm the samurai. <laughs> I'm just a lonely samurai. <laughs> uh, Jack Jack draws out battle plans for the dogs. And there's a really great moment where he's given a pen, a clicky pen, and he starts writing it. But he hasn't clicked the, the pen mm-hmm. yet. And just the animation, just the way that they have him just sort of clicking it is very satisfying and, and fun. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this is also a great way to do humor that is when you have characters that are dogs or cats, which we've very recently looked at and got really <laughs> tired of poor ways to handle that. There's some really nice ways they do it here yeah. where you just see them sitting and then you just see their tails all wag simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. or their their machines are kind of vaguely dog inspired. Not yeah. vaguely, but they're not like doing anything... I don't know, obvious. They've got the, yeah, they've got this like drilling machine that instead licks things like an ice cream cone. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> the licking excavator is so funny to me. Yeah, I love that. Just these Barbie tongues. <laughs> yeah. And then like they use the, Jack uses the crystals they've been mining as weapons as like arrowheads to like strike other mm-hmm. parts of the rock to like create flame and 
creating like stakes in the ground. And it's all, it's all very cool with cool ideas. Um, but that leads up to when the, oh, there's like an alien horse and that brings it back around <laughs> yeah, his you like forgot horse the training. Alien horse. I forgot the alien horse, but it, it does like him giving an apple to a horse in episode one. You know, it comes yeah. back around to giving that apple to an alien horse. Yep. And, you know, full circle, I guess. Um, full circle. <laughs> and and yeah, the, the banner, the banner that he makes. Uh, oh, it's very is, cool. Yeah. Because it's got his family's like, you know, symbol on it. But then like some dogs accidentally walk over it and put some paw prints on it. And he's like, actually, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's his banner. It's really cute. Yeah, they they like fashion him some traditional samurai armor out of just scrap metal and yeah, it's a it's a neat it's a neat sequence. I really like the planning part of it. And in the in the first section of the big big old nonsense chunk, I did like seeing some of those plans come to fruition, right? Uh-huh. Like getting yeah, yeah. getting to see him ignite some things, uh watching him like he's riding, he's in the full crazy armor and riding the alien horse and he's got the bow and he's got his sword and he's got like 12 like javelins and he's doing all sorts of crazy shit. And he really, you know, cleans house and it's very cool to watch. Uh, yeah, for a little and then, bit. And then you hit the 10 minute mark at that point. <laughs> and then there's another 12 minutes of episode. And somehow they decided to just keep keep it going. Though at one point he becomes shirtless and I queued in again. I was like, oh, uh, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder, too, if it's we've looked at this before where we had full length episodes that were felt a little long or weirdly paced when they were used to doing half half shows mm-hmm. and if this crew was just doing dexter's lab and they were doing half episodes for a long time and maybe again having that issue of like yeah going out way too 22 long. minutes yeah it wound up having a neat fill feel most of the time but yeah this one was a little bit uh inflated yeah, yeah. and i wonder i wonder how much you know when you're when you're successful and you've proven your brand and you come to I mean, by all accounts, the uh, the pitch process for this show was uh, Gandhi Tartakovsky walking into a room and saying, hey, remember Kung Fu? Wasn't that dope? And he was like, <laughs> yeah. And then they made Samurai Jack. So made like show. when you when you have enough clout to just sort of be like, I want to do a weird thing. And they're like, you're Gandhi Tartakovsky. Why not? I feel like maybe no ideas end up on the cutting room floor sometimes. Yeah. And you make this three part opening and you've got this really sort of masturbatory fight scene and the the storyboards look so dope. And you're like, this is going to rock. And it's too much. Right. I mean, like, yeah. you know, if there was more scrutiny happening, it's too they, much ice cream in your bowl. Yeah. <laughs> some, somebody might have told you it was too much ice cream. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe maybe there was a little bit of that going on, too. Yeah, I mean, but that's basically it. You know, he cuts them all. At some point, they start oozing oil. Uh, they weren't before, and then the oil starts happening, and then he's covered in oil, <laughs> like blood, we talked about. And then they're done. And then, you know, he moves on. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, there is a there is a really, uh, my favorite moment, the only time that I, like, really came back in the fight scene was when he is, he's killed 95% of them. He's surrounded. He's tired. He's surrounded by the last little chunk. And finally, like, they all, the ones remaining, like, you know, presumably they're robots. You know, we don't think they can feel. But we see for, like, these last ones take a step backwards from him after finally, be, like, realizing they're fucked. 
And as soon as they take one step backwards, we get the first voice line from like for like 10 minutes. And he says, no, there is no escape. <laughs> that was really cool. I don't know. Yeah. That was really cool to me. I liked that particular moment. That made, like that didn't like justify the whole episode for me. But like, yeah, I I that one stuck out as like the one cool the one really cool thing for me in that in that episode. Yeah, I think maybe we needed to see a little bit of of this in order to like if it had been a if nothing if we hadn't had this fight scene and if it hadn't been this long kind of drawn out thing, then we get to the moment where the dogs invite him to go with them. And I think he mm-hmm. would he could be like, yeah, of course, I haven't done anything yet. And I've known nothing about this world. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. I don't know. I I liked I liked this one. I I mean, three was okay. Two was much more interesting where we sort of are, you know, everything's new. The future's new. There's that really the the I think that's the thing. Episode three didn't have a lot of sci fi stuff happening besides the machines, but they were magic, silly Dr. Seuss machines. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you have you have sequences in that second episode, like in the nightclub, where that fight scene was much more interesting. Yeah. uh, If only because they had. It was it was shorter. It was it was more to the point. He was uh, cutting up these lizard guys while like the pounding electronic music in the nightclub is happening and all these like silhouetted dancers in big elevated like Christmas tree ornaments are like hanging from the ceiling dancing and like. Yeah, throwing they, their body there's around like and... a there's like a literal he's at like a strip club and it yeah. gets pretty close to, to showing you <laughs> some three eyed <laughs> ladies booty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, boys, uh, we have returned to the past where we can now finally kill Aku. We did it. Uh, oh, but Jack hasn't yet. Uh, so he's got a long journey ahead of him still. Oh, and, uh, I'm excited to watch some more episodes in, in over the next series of weeks. I'm on tenterhooks. We have to wait for Jack to get back because we can't kill Aku on our on our own. We, no, no. We have to, get, we we have to wait cool for Jack portal. to get back because he's. <laughs> Checking it backward. <laughs> the time traveling. <laughs> He's been watching those tapes. Uh, He's watching the tapes. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch some more because you said that you were gonna. Because we did. We, this was season one, and you thought maybe for week two we'd do two from season two, and then maybe mm-hmm. you'd do one from season three and one from season four. So we can kind of see. That's like, kind of what I'm thinking right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm excited to see how the show sort of refines its formula and maybe tries to fix some of the problems that we had with this uh, with this first three-parter. I don't know yeah. if they will, but maybe they will. And look, if we had more time, I would have picked a lot more episodes. Uh, it's it's not really going to be the, the best guide through the show. I'm going to say that right now. I mean, sure. We Just because we've always, with our other shows, you know, we, we've had to limit you with your favorite shows uh, <laughs> to, to, you know, only three weeks. Yeah, you so, can't put the muzzle on me, and then when it's your turn, you say, "You know, I think muzzles are bad." You I know, think I, I think, need. I think uh, I've had. Two a, I've grown. I've grown since we did the Hey Arnold special, and I think muzzles are are you know immoral, and I'm not going to put one on myself. <laughs> yeah, so it's just going to be honestly, honestly, just kind of some of my favorite episodes. So awesome. Uh, I I think uh, that should be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah. I am happy to be along for the ride down austin's memory lane it's gonna be a good one for everybody 
Stick around to Saturday morning Tuesdays. <laughs> you know when you know when you've got a wind up toy and it's near the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like us. I like um, when we I like when we call out the jokes. I like when we name them. I like when we make a big point of like that's the joke. <laughs> I like when we do that. I like. I like when we really just kill all of our (laughs) momentum on the way out, and we just kind of go really slow. Um, (laughs) You know, everybody could like. You know what? You're the you're the king of your own castle, and if you want to (laughs) listen or not, you know, at any given time, (laughs) that's a choice that's yours to make. (laughs) Well, you know what else is is your choice to make is whether we'll see you next Tuesday. It's not a choice. He'll be back. He'll be back. Unlock your disc. <laughs> <laughs>